Welcome to the Lone Wolf McQuaid Sports Podcast. Today on the show, I welcomed on my girlfriend Love Hooks and my childhood friend Sally Meehan. We talked about the psychological aspect of being a competitive athlete your entire life and then one day just calling it quits overnight. We covered topics of sobriety, therapy, how mental health and wellness can change your life, and the impact of the internet and social media. And I think the main takeaway from this show, what reunited Sally and I, is that we both took a step outside of our comfort zone and we expressed our ideas publicly. I'd also like to give a huge shout out to Sally. Thank you for coming on the show and inviting Love and I to your home. This is by far the best episode I've released. Let's go. show today i'm sitting here with sally me and my old friend my girlfriend love hooks um sally is someone who is good to see you hi it's good to see you thank you for inviting us into your apartment this is this is an awesome place i first reached out to you because i think it was like a month ago Mm -hmm. i saw you posted a facebook uh update or status or something Uh, it was an instagram poem but okay okay instagram (laughs) poem um and you were talking about just sort of where you were out in life with sobriety, with being a woman in Manhattan, putting up with people's bullshit. <laughs> and I just sort of thought that it sort of had, it went along with some of the things that I'm trying to bring to the show. Do you want to like read this or how should, how do you? Do you yeah, yeah, I totally How are will. you doing first of all? Oh how, my gosh, I'm so good. I'm so happy to have you guys here. Um, thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Yes, it's exciting to bring some new life into the apartment. Yeah. Right, we'll change up the culture a little bit. Probably haven't had a podcast in here, so. Yeah, you know. this is the first one, so. Um, but yeah, I was super excited when you reached out to me about that poem because like you, I have a lot going on inside that I would love to share and I'm kind of looking for those avenues to do that in a way that feels authentic and and good to me because I even see a lot of positive messages being pushed out that are uh, there's just like something about them that it's like like uh, like look at what I'm doing right so so much social media is like attention and this is me but there's also another side to it you know yeah and so how do you use this incredible tool that we use in all these crazy ways all the time to to cut through it and to to provide something that's real and so what I, I I write so much and very little of it ever get shown to the world but one day I woke up and I was like you know what fuck it (laughs) I really this is what my heart is saying today I'm gonna put it out there it's a little scary and I'm gonna see what happens and every time I do that um I'm just literally amazed by the the feedback I get I got probably like 20 direct messages <laughs> after that it's from all different. It, it talks a little bit about sobriety. Every time I open up about anything about sobriety, it's amazing to me how many people are questioning are thinking about it are looking for someone to talk to about it. But it's kind of this like taboo, scary subject. Um, and, and yeah, everything in this poem. And I, yes, I will read it in one second, but it, it just it felt really great to have somebody reach out and want to talk about it more. Yeah. 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 So thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And for me, before you read it, like that was also a big step for me is like just taking this show. And like you said, you felt so scared to write your poem and like voice your opinion to the world. That was the same feeling I had with the show. Cause I used to really care about what people thought about me. 
and like like negative shit, positive shit. But like, I was like, I'm at a point in my life where I don't care anymore. I'm going to start a sports show and just talk about whatever the hell I want. And the next step was like, I'm going to start reaching out to other people. And I was like, that, like, you're the first person I reached out to. I oh was like, gosh. I don't know if this girl is going to laugh. Like, what, but what's the worst thing that happens, right? Yeah. Is she, she doesn't read it, she laughs, or we actually get some of the positive. So, and this similar. is so cool. We haven't, we don't even know the last time we saw each other, but it was, was at like, least yeah, 15 50, years ago. You walked through the door. Right? I was floored by how tall you are. I know. <laughs> your, your voice is different. Yeah. I was like, what? It's wild. I got orange hair. Yes, I, I do have orange hair. <laughs> okay. So I guess I'll read this since it's, um, since it's kind of what catalyzed this whole thing. Oh my gosh. This is like a super vulnerable thing to read, I know. read and, my yeah. poetry. Yeah, out loud. Yeah. Okay. This is the first time I'm ever reading it out loud. So here we go. <clears throat> My tolerance is at an all-time low. For liquor, for sure. Two years sober, I'd teetotal my way to the floor if I tried to keep up anymore. But that's not all. My tolerance is at an all-time low for putting anything inside my body that does not feel fucking fantastic to me. Processed this and fat-free that. Pink meat paste pushed through a tube, slopped into a patty, photographed in fluorescent. No tolerance for unknown pills at subpar parties, for the curiosity of your fingers on my back, for your uninvited mouth on mine. My tolerance is at an all-time low for bullshit, for excuses, flaky, fakey, mean, for mansplaining and shit-talking, for talking the talk without walking the walk, for opportunity over loyalty, for orchestrated excuses and I'm sorry's that are too late or hold no weight. My tolerance is at an all-time low for your inability to face yourself while I bear back life. And because my tolerance is so low, the good shit hits me hard right here, right now. The belly laughs, the radical movement, golden hour kisses, and your truth sang out loud. I pause to dance in the glory of you. So keep showing up. Do the right thing and let that motherfucking light shine. My tolerance is at an all-time low, so I sip the good good in real slow. And babes, I'm as high as a kite. Snaps. 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 Oh my gosh, that was fun. <laughs> and you sound amazing. Like your voice sounds so great as you read that. Very Thank confident. You. Yes, I loved it. I loved it. It was even better when you, when I hear it out loud mm -hmm. than reading it. That sounds so great. I try to do, and, and Instagram is super limiting on like how you can work with text and stuff. But when I write on paper, mm -hmm. I try to write with different fonts and spacing that kind of brings my cadence and my thought and the energy to the words. Brings um, it to life. Yes, yeah. but it's hard to do that. And so I hope that, I and I try, I, do, I use like capital letters and spacing and things on Instagram, but I try to like get that across, but it's uh, it's definitely something that sometimes you need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first read that, I was like, wow, you know, this girl is, she is this woman in Manhattan who's, who's successful, this beautiful woman. And she is the sort of stigma. Like she's saying like, like, fuck that. I'm gonna, I just see so many girls, not girls. I see so many guys and girls who are just always out at the bars spending money, kind of being like douchebags sometimes. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't give a fuck about any of that shit. I'm going to do me. I'm going to focus on my life, my, my mental health and wellness. And I was like, I want to reach out to this person, have a conversation with you. Um, because that's sort of like, I feel like I'm trying to get to where you're at. And I don't think I'm there yet. 
um, you know, love. We, we've started living this lifestyle of mental health and wellness with our diets, our alcohol consumptions, mm-hmm. our sleep, um, exercise habits, which is probably not as good as it should be, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, but for sure. like we are, we are on this like path to get to where you're still going. And I know that you're not still there. You're not there yet either. Right. Like it's a journey. Yeah. And where is there anyway? I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, I, yeah. We were talking about that today or yesterday. I explained to him like my biggest fear is not becoming the best version of myself. Not like anyone else's version of me just like myself and I feel like it's always a process and a series of growth through every stage in your life for you to get to that point but I'm like at the end of the day if I'm not there when I die or like when I'm on my deathbed I'm gonna be so disappointed in myself and that's why it's like such a strain on like what we do in our daily lives oh it's the decisions the tiny sometimes decisions Mm -hmm. that we make every single day that the the accumulation of those things is, you know, where we're at. So. Yeah, and I think that um, it all plays together with, like, mental health, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, the, the center of everything. And I was listening to – I listen to a lot of podcasts, whether it's sports, social, life. I've listened to Buddhism podcasts. I was listening to uh, the Hot 9-7 what's the guy's name? It's Charlemagne the God. Charlemagne the God he, on – what's the show called? Yeah. It's my favorite podcast. It's Brilliant Idiots. Um, yeah. they, so, it's him and Andrew Schultz, Andrew Schultz uh, Charlemagne the God and Andrew Schultz, and they are just amazing. And Charlemagne, who is a African-American man from South Carolina. I don't know why. <laughs> I was going to say South Dakota. I don't know why. Um, South Carolina, and he like talks about like the fact that people have this assumption that you can't go see a therapist or like it's weak to see a therapist. So I'll read it. So Charlemagne was talking with the rapper YG about mental health, specifically in regards to like talking to talking to people and voicing what's in your head, how that's good for you. And they were talking about how it can be a mental health exercise. So uh, YG was talking about the conception of being a man. And when you go through some shit in life, you're not really supposed to talk about it because you're a man. Mm-hmm. And... I feel like that's sort of like, that's where people are at. Not men and and everybody in life, but that's sort of a public conception, right? We're men, we have to deal with it. And we don't really talk about our issues. And they were talking about how that mindset can like alter the way we think and treat each other. And it can change like the course of our our paths of our lives at some point. And how we don't really deal with our feelings um, or we just suppress them by drinking or smoking and we look towards other outlets and I feel like a couple years ago that was me right we talked a little bit about before the show about how I stopped playing sports at age 24 that was my outlet of life I've never been good at school but I've always had some sort of success in in athletics and when I stopped playing sports I started looking to things like uh, drinking more gambling on sports you know I, I for when I was 24 to when I was 14, Saturdays were playing football or playing rugby in the fall. And now that I didn't have that, once the weather starts getting cold, you spend a lot of time doing non-constructive shit, right? Like gambling on sports. And it was like a year later where I got this idea to do this podcast. And this has become sort of this like expression for me, like my way, you know, you're writing your poetry. This is my way of voicing my opinions to people, whether it's sports or it's real life shit. I've done some things that I haven't put out publicly yet on uh, the Colin Kaepernick national anthem protests about um, domestic violence in the NFL. But um, that's, this is my form of that. So 
we can talk about your guys' forums. I guess I was just wanted to get that out there first before we start getting no, everything. No, it's, it's so good. I think that's like the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about too, yeah. really. It's, it's, you have to clear that channel. You have to get things out. And um, I, I went to acting school for the past two years at an incredible place called the William Esper Studio. Um, I think everybody should go to the first year of acting school. I think that should just be like tagged onto our regular, uh, our regular learning because the first year is all about going inward and figuring mm -hmm. out who you are, what makes you tick, what matters to you? Because in order to build a character, you need to know where you're operating from, right? Like, how is this character different from me? But to do that, you need to know yourself first. Um, the second year character building, I mean, I guess only the actors have to do that. But um, I think one of the, the biggest things I learned was that the body stores trauma as tension, and our physical bodies keep the score of everything that has happened in our lives. And if we are constantly suppressing those things and not talking about them for whatever reason, whether it's society telling us that we're a man so we can't do that, mm -hmm. or growing up in a family where we didn't feel safe to do that, or not having found the people that are thinking and feeling the same ways as us, and we suppress and suppress, that is where... First of all, your physical body can go to go yeah. wild. I mean, and that's yeah, yeah, I've experienced that. Yes. Yeah. And um and I and there's a lot of a great documentary on Netflix by the way. It's called Heal. Um and that's a lot about the body mind connection and how um how mental things can manifest physically for us. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just I think it's it's great whatever your uh, whatever, whatever your outlet, outlet yeah. is. Be whatever. Yeah, and I think it's great. I think that the conversation on therapy is changing a lot right now with our generation. Um with people are like calling us like the therapy generation and I know But it's, it's working, so I don't really yes, care, you know. Yes. <laughs> it does work. And it's it's like I know uh, it's been a my mom and I have even like joked about it because you know she's she kids that like all of us like need therapists and stuff now but you know I think that there's just a stigma is being lifted and yeah. we're we're being able to talk about and I, I love going to therapy because you know what same, it does? Same. It creates, it, I'm able to talk through things out loud and then place them in time and space for myself and yeah. be able to be like, whoa, four months ago, it was a rainy day and I went in and I talked to her and I was so lonely and I said I needed to find some community and now, wow, I know all these people and I'm not feeling, I have other problems, don't get me wrong, yeah. but yeah. like. You know, got, it, yeah. it's a map. Yeah. That uh, sense of community. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, I just started going to therapy too. And I'm like, I go on Tuesdays and I'm so excited to go see her. One, because I think we don't always just let loose and vent to a person who doesn't know everything about our lives and like has their own opinions. So we can just like let loose and have that opportunity to be like, no, this is how I'm feeling. And then like start to process things in our own minds. And like, as you said, like, make a mental record of like, wow, I was there at that point and now look at where I am. I think one struggle that I found in this is realizing that not every issue can be handled in the moment or like in mm -hmm. this time frame. So trying to separate things and recognize like what's important to me right now and like where can I like start and mm -hmm. not put everything in the forefront and be like, okay, well I need to do this, this and this in this amount of time to get where I need to be. 
Um, so that's like always something that I've like struggled with, uh, being mindful of like, not just pressuring myself to be perfect. And that's a big one that you and I talk about, even in the road today, I was actually really nervous coming into this. Like I was like, I haven't seen this girl. What if we, <laughs> what if I say something stupid and love is like, dude, just take the pressure off. Like it's okay. If you bomb it, it's okay. Like the, you know what I mean? So that's Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the lack of pressure that like doing the show, we're still new at this is our first one. Yeah. This is um, our first official podcast together. So yeah, it's exciting to even do something with someone else who you've started to develop these ideas and thoughts with. Like, where do you want to be? That's where I want to be in the future. Like, what are you thinking about? That's what I'm thinking about. And like helping each other grow because I was definitely not where I am today, two years ago, and you weren't either. So like learning with another person is so beautiful and like growing mm. from another person. Yeah, it helps. It definitely helps. It's like with a partner. Yeah. And that's sort of like, you know, going the time that I spent up in, I was up in Vermont for a couple of years uh, and I kind of just like isolated myself and it's, it has positives and negatives. So the negatives are isolation. You think about negative shit, like things pop on your brain. You don't have a form of expression. The positives are, I was able to sit and think about things for a while and, and sort of come up with these ideas to get to the sports show. And you realize, you know, there was a moment I had where I was like, uh, okay, I was at UNH. I got my associate's degree. I was captain of the UNH rugby team. I had a girlfriend. Um, I was in really good shape. I had a job that I, I had a school lined up that I thought that after I graduated, I was going to get to teach and coach there. I was feeling pretty good, right? And then like a year later, uh, I was injured. I wasn't playing rugby. No girlfriends. Out of shape. Broke. And like all the confidence that I had from playing sports, like I was like, what, what in my head gives me the self-worth that I, like, I don't have any of that anymore. All the things that I have that gave me confidence, I didn't have anymore. So mm. I think being alone was able to get me to the spot where I can do this show and sort of talk, you know, about these issues and mental health and wellness and like how athletics and playing sports shaped who I am, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you were talking about that earlier. Well, yeah. So a little bit about me. <laughs> um, but I was a two sport college athlete. I played field hockey and tennis. Sports were always a huge part of my life growing up. They were always around me. I'm from Boston, Titletown, baby. That's right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we just talk, like the last time three major sports teams from the same city were in the championships was I think in like the forties. It's fucking wild. <laughs> okay, yo. relax. So relax. I'm sorry. Go. Uh, we can go on. We can um, go on. And you know what? What's interesting is I'm I'm talking a big game right now because I love to be on the winning side of anything <laughs> in life. Uh, I actually don't even really watch sports. <laughs> I, oh I, no! I know. Oh, no. I know. I know. And it was it was it was something that was super isolating in a lot of ways for me in Boston. And you know what? I did watch a lot of sports. I just wasn't that invested in it okay. and it was one of the things that I actually looked at what I was doing in my life I was going to sports bars with pitchers of shitty beer sitting around with mm -hmm. people that the only thing we had in common was the shitty beer and the sports watching sports that I didn't even want to watch in the first place you. that was like a huge part of me one day looking around the table being like what am I doing here this is not this I was born into this town where this is what what I'm told. The culture. Yeah. Yes. This is the culture. Yes. And I am other. And at the time I I was struggling with the fact that I visually 
did not look other at all. And I was being mislabeled as the same. And that's why, I mean, I have orange hair right now. And, and it's, <laughs> it's been, orange. Yes, and it's been, um, it's been a great like social cue out in the world as well as as an actor i've i'm being looked at for totally different roles that actually fit the type of energy i have the type of person i am or and i'm attracting different types of people now into my life i i then went to colby college which is another very mainstream um type of environment A, a wonderful school played two sports there but i still always had this thing where i felt you know, slightly, slightly other. And, um, I actually only played sports through my first two years of college. Um, would you play? I played field hockey and I played tennis and, um, two sports in college is a lot. Yes. And so I started, I started playing, I was recruited to play field hockey. That's what I wanted to do. Um, went to school and we were talking a little bit about this before, but I actually had a super negative experience with my coach, with my teammates, with my teammates' boyfriends. It was like this just, you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Not every college sports, you know, experience is good. No. And so I was, I was, um, lucky enough to be able to walk onto the tennis team. Um, I'd also played tennis my whole life. My mom is a tennis coach and, Uh, At the time, my identity was so woven in with being an athlete that I was like, what what do I do now? And so I I switched. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. So played two seasons of tennis and I was also a theater major. So I was going to two hours of practice, four hours of rehearsal every day. I also at the time had a long distance boyfriend. So I was like going to visit him when I could. And I was so busy. And this is another thing that I think is a much bigger topic of just keeping yourself so busy that you never have to sit with yourself. You never have to do any, just like I was just like constantly scheduled from one thing to the other. And then when I wasn't scheduled, I was in college. So we were partying and stuff, which is another way of just taking yourself out of the game, you know? And, and I wasn't really like living in myself in my figuring out what that otherness even meant and who I really was because I was just so swept up in everything um that after sophomore year I ended up stopping playing sports and I was faced with this moment of like I have identified with being an athlete first almost my ent- my entire life and who am I now how do I get how do I get in my life, what I was getting from that kind of catch-all of sports. And I, I made um, a little list before you guys came over. Um, and for me, I, I think that sports were firstly about exercise. Um, <laughs> I am one of those people that goes crazy if I oh my gosh, don't yeah. work out. Um, yeah. As Elwood says from Legally Blonde, exercise releases endorphins. Endorphins makes you happy. And happy people <laughs> just don't kill their husbands. Um, but it's true, you know, like no. that. I mean, if you you might not have to go to a, to a day of therapy in your life if you're working out. And, and, yeah. and it's very meditative. Like, especially mm-hmm. I was a swimmer. That was super meditative. Running, anything like that really gets you. Sports is really doing a lot for you physically chemically incredible um so exercise is definitely i think the the first thing how sports kind of like developed um but also what sports really built into my life was community 
I'm sure you felt yeah. that way. Yeah. I, I think uh-huh. particularly for, for men, sports teams become like one of the Their only way. Yeah. And because yeah. girls can be like, oh, we need to like have sleepovers or yeah. whatever. And you can form com- community. I think that sometimes it's easier with some of this more like feeling based stuff to yeah. be a girl or a woman now. Um, but yeah, that sense of community that sports provides is huge. Yeah. yeah. When you I, have I, a story about that, right? Yeah. When I was in college, uh, I played basketball my entire life since I was very young. I didn't really want to play. I was forced. My dad was like, you got to play a sport, play basketball. You'd be who, good at who it. Who is your dad similar to in terms of? Oh my God. My dad is like LeVar Ball. I'm yeah. not sure if you know who LeVar Ball is, but he's Lonzo Ball's dad. He's very loud, <laughs> obnoxious. Very LeVar Ball type. And I mean that. Mr. Hooks in the most respectful way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he is like LeVar Ball and my dad, will talk, he talks a lot of shit. He is who he is. He's so comfortable with being him and it made me uncomfortable growing up and like when he I finally... He like always forced you. He was like b-ball, b-ball, b-ball up a crack of dawn like we're going, yeah. we're going, we're going. I would go to like Long Island by myself when I was like 15 on the train with my like six-year-old brother. We'd go practice for hours and then we'd come home and my dad would be like, you up again in the morning. And when I finally had the freedom to decide like, this is not what I want to do. Uh, I was recruited to play and I just decided, you know what? Like, fuck it. I'm not going to do it. I was like, school is more important. I really don't like feel the community with the basketball team anyway. Mm. And it was like an easy decision for me because playing my entire life, you feel the community with whoever you've played with. And like, that's one of the reasons why I stayed. I felt such strong bonds with my, uh, friends from high school playing basketball like Mm. we're still friends to this day and with the girls there nothing against them they're very nice and they all gelled really well i just didn't feel it and Mm. didn't you say that they all went to high school together and they a bunch of them did go to high school together they played on teams and they all knew each other so they had this like clicky little vibe and they just brought that from high school and the coach was their high school coach right one of the like assistant coaches was the high school coach and he was nice they were all nice to me like it was just it wasn't like like, love come be in our friend group no, I was invited no. to things even, but I was like, you told, no, okay. I, like you make, and I think this, I always think about this book, The Four Agreements. I'm not sure if you've read Yo, it. No, it's right there. Thank you. <laughs> I, I gave it to one of my coworkers because I'm like, you need to read this. And yeah. all I ever think back to is like, I'm going to agree to what I want to do and not what like other people want me to do mm-hmm. or like what I've, even if it means backing out on something because it just doesn't feel genuine anymore. Like I'm okay with that now at this point because oh, I have really? to be Are you? real. Yeah, I have really? to be so, no, with agreeing to things, I don't go out with my friends if I genuinely don't feel like it. If sure. I feel you've been, like you've I, been doing a better job at that. I, I'll give you props for that. You and do. I just always feel like, like sometimes I feel bad for things like that because feel I'm pressured like, to go to these situations. Yeah, so and that's probably like not to cut you off, but that's probably how you used to think with these things, right? Like I'm done like going to these stupid fucking bars. Feel yes. pressured with my friend groups. Yes. I would imagine. And then maybe one more time, someone will ask you like, "Come on, come out," and then you slide down that slope again of like, oh, "I went out and I really didn't want to." And like I'm trying to break out of that like the mindset of like, I don't want to do it fuck it if I don't want to do it. It's fine. That's mm-hmm. what I'm choosing. And there's moments when we all do that. And then there's moments when we sometimes slip and I'm trying to slip a little less mm. <laughs> at this point. I um, I learned this lesson over time. I was kind of teaching myself, but in when I was in school, I had um, this incredible teacher, Akil Apollo Davis. Thank you. Um, and one of the 
the lessons he would teach was um, about pleasure and dividing pleasure into two different categories, being able to have a pleasurable yes and a pleasurable no. So pleasurable yes is saying yes to the things that are right for you and going for it and maybe doing something that's a little scary and pushing yourself. And and that is so that's so important to really listen. But equally as important is the pleasurable no. And that is all about having boundaries. And it's about listening to that little voice inside of you and not only being able to say no, but being able to take pleasure in the fact of like, you know what? We just got out of this movie. Everyone's going to the bar. They're asking me to come. And I don't really want to do that because yeah. I'm trying to Chernobyl and chill tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone hasn't watched the new Chernobyl series on HBO, I highly uh, recommend. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, and and to not only be able to say no, but to own that choice. And, and it's hard because the other thing is, is these friends who you've been saying yes to all this time, they're not always going to be happy with that decision. Yeah. yeah, I've experienced some of that shit too. Yeah. Uh, when I came out here to Manhattan, to New York, so I was here when I was 20 years old and I was working as a carpenter and I started waiting tables sort of in between that. Um, I used to go out with my, uh, I have three stepbrothers here and they are, they didn't really, they weren't as invested in sports growing up as I was. And they were more, it was more of a social scene. I know Cohasset, like we, people partied in Cohasset, like my friend group did. I'm pretty sure your friend, <laughs> it was like people drank earlier. Um, we were saints. No, definitely <laughs> not. But um, I think, uh, you know, I got to a point where I'd go out with those guys and uh, I just, at, at one point, I just was like, I'm not comfortable in this environment anymore. And even though I had had experience drinking a lot, like I just, am, I got to start saying no. Like I'm not going to be going to these. I was, I was working a manual labor job 10 hours a day mm. and they were doing like uh, corporate stuff. So you know what, guys, I'm I'm not gonna come out tonight. I think, you know, looking back, I think they may have taken it as like "fuck you" or something like that because I feel like that's the point at which like our relationship began to split, because I said to them like I'm not really interested in like these extracurricular activities going out because I would, I'd be a carpenter, I'd be working in ten degree weather outside, building the house that we lived in, or I was in the summer, ninety degree weather, you know, digging holes. I'd go to the gym afterwards. And I didn't have the energy to go out get wasted at, you know, uh, Paulie's in Westchester. <laughs> and, but I knew that that mentally, like, I am not going to keep putting myself in that position. So if like, you know, if this was what t- it takes for us, I don't know. I don't want to say for us to like not be in a relationship anymore, be friends anymore, but like, I'm no longer going to be like having that for me, the negativity for me in my life. And I'm going to mm-hmm. put that shit aside. And that's like, that decision's tough, you know? Yes. I mean, but that's part of the agreements. Like, yes. you decided, like, even if the relationship is not there anymore, this is more important to me. Yeah. And I, I had lost, like, 25 pounds. It was the point in my life. I was in the best shape of my life. I went from, a, I think, like, a 205 to, like, a 180, 185. Mm. The gym that I went to, I was learning Muay Thai. I used to, I used to uh, do the Muay Thai. The guy, from when I came in to when I left, he wanted to take a picture of me and put me on the website a before and after. He's like, yo, you want to be on this website, man? You lost so much weight. I was like, no, dude, hell no. I'm not comfortable. I, looking back, I wish I had, because that would have been a really cool thing to look back at. But um, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I don't know where I went with that. But anyways. So with, uh, I know you said that you started to go to these sober dance parties and mm. things like that. Um, 
I'm not, I know you said your best friend also decided to, on this path with you. Did you lose any friends um, in the sense of like leaving the partying or like even drinking out of your life? Did you like have to realize that some people are not going to go on this journey with you and that they might have to stay in the past? Um, yes, definitely is the, the short answer. Um, you know, so I, so I, in terms of stopping drinking specifically, um, I stopped drinking two years ago. Um, and four years ago, I moved to New York City. And seven years ago, I graduated from college. And so each of those transitions have led to like an overhaul in what my life looks like, what my social life looks like. Um, so I think that I have naturally, I've naturally lost friends mm-hmm. along the way. Just you can't, you can't hold on to everyone. Unfortunately, it's something I'm learning more and more. The more people I meet, um, but I take specific individuals from each part of my journey um, for sure, and those are usually the people that I have a connection with that is deeper than going and getting cocktails and talking about whatever our drunk little brains decided to talk about that day. Um, and definitely there were there were moments of realizing that, you know what, me and this person's relationship is probably a little bit more surface than I even maybe realized at first. And also it's a challenge to your friend too, to be like, hey, I'm not going to be doing these activities anymore. I'm super interested in this long list of activities. Um, and if, they, if they're not going to want to do those other things, uh, then it's it's kind of yeah. like a natural... It's just the tie breaks itself, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if you your relationship with someone is just going out and getting drinks and you stop doing that and the friendship's over, then like, okay, yes. I'm fine with that. Like yes. if you don't connect with someone on a deeper level, then the friendship's over. And maybe like what I was just talking about, maybe that's what was going on with me and my family. I just thought of that on the spot right now, but... Yeah, yeah. A- another place that's super interesting is dating. Um, t- taking, I was stone cold single and stone cold sober when I started, uh, when I stopped drinking. And um, it was really interesting, especially when I was like uh, new to it, where now I'm I'm very comfortable um, being the only person in a situation not drinking, talking about it. Like I'm, I own it. I'm here. Uh, I'm living my best goddamn life. It, mm-hmm. I'm cool with it. But when it was new, when I didn't know if it was going to last, when I didn't know what it meant, all of these different things, um, it was definitely like another factor that you're carrying into an already nerve wracking situation. Um, and dating is something too, where alcohol is a huge yeah. Uh, yeah. part of the early parts of a relationship. Um, <laughs> but when it came to friendships, um, and relationships I've had in the past, I realized once I had kind of stopped that looking back and the people that stayed in my life and the people that I had were all of these people that I had formed relationships with that were deeper than that. And so it's really interesting. Um, many of my good friends are from childhood and high school, um, relationships that I developed before there were like any substances that we just like really liked each other and we still do. Um, and then in college, I really only have one person that I talk to on the regular anymore from college. Um, and that is my best friend who, when I stopped drinking, um, and started telling her all of the ways that I was feeling and the discoveries I was having, um, 
and just talking to her about it, she decided to try it too. And she has also decided to stop. And I think, I feel like I should put a little like two cents in because stopping drinking is this, is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that um, in our society, there's a lot of stigmas uh, around addiction, um, which that's that is a, a whole topic we could have an, an entire podcast about. Um, and for me personally, um, my reasons for stopping didn't necessarily stem from addiction. It stemmed more more from trying to figure out who I was yeah. and how to feel my best. And I had done so many things with my my diet. Um, I had been gluten free and dairy free and done Whole Thirty and low FODMAP, which is the worst. At I've look it up, it's awful. Yeah, yeah it's oh. just all these things. Um, to try to feel my best, to try to get my skin to clear up. I I was 24 and I got adult onset hormonal acne, which I I, I tried wow, being an actor. That's tough. Oh yeah. my god, it was awful. All these things and. Um, I got diagnosed with IBS when I was in my mid-20s too, which by the way was totally related to anxiety as well. I was so anxious. I had all the stuff going on and so I was like, hold the phone. Let's take a look at what's causing all of this. And so I started with just with food um, Mm -hmm. and I really like altered what I was eating. Um, And from there, I had altered so many things and started feeling so much better and my skin was clearing up and all these things that I all of a sudden alcohol is something that we it's so ingrained into our culture it's like when you're 21 this is yeah. something that you start and if you haven't started by 21 you're actually kind of weird yeah my brother is somebody who did not start drinking because it was illegal until he was 21 years old and I'm like so proud of him for being able to get through the first three years of college without yeah. doing that because I'm sure there are people who are like this guy yeah. so let me ask you what was his alternative like what do he do instead of going out to the bars parties um he's the best uh first of all he was a ca which is like an ra at colby college and um he would have he had uh thirsty thursdays that he would host which were thirst tea thursdays and he would have like adult ass tea parties (laughs) and at like the first one there was only like a couple people and like once they started going he would have like 45 people that's show up. so great yes that and is so great it was like this thing that now at 28 i'm like seeking out where i'm like trying to find people who are having meaningful conversation and doing genuine connection and without any of this vocabulary he just inherently knew how to do that which by the way i think taylor and i met we went to a montessori school which is an alternative education um growing up and that is so Montessori to sit around to to be who you are to bring yourself to the table and to just explore each other and and to have fun and and this whole stopping drinking thing has really felt like getting back to who I am when I was a child and it started so it started from a a health point of view of like wow my hangovers are getting worse and worse it wrecks my stomach let me tell you brutal the connection yeah, you die, <laughs> you die uh, do i not have drink. the words like i'm oh actually dead he, i actually he, die on the he's floor he's so unpleasant to be Yo. around when he's hungover. oh my gosh and that was the main the reason why i started that was actually the main reason because literally like for an entire day like you cancel out my next day if i have three or four or five drinks 
not doing shit right. the next and you, day. You, yeah. Time is our it's most like, precious currency, yeah. in my opinion, and that time, but getting that time back. And then yeah. what really, really made me realize it hugely was when I experimented with stopping. Um, I, I had class seven days a week, so it was kind of easy for me just to like, when you go back to school when you're 26, you really appreciate what you're you're doing and you really see what a privilege that is. And I took it really seriously. And so I was like not going out, but I started to really realize how connected to in- my anxiety. Um, oh my gosh. Was. Yeah. Me. Yes. <laughs> I, me. I had been, I had been struggling with um, anxiety and bouts of depression, you know, my whole life. And though I, that is still uh, a, a journey for me. Um, wow. I can't even tell you how much cutting alcohol out was helpful. And I, and I am someone, first of all, I, I think that um, medication for these issues has a total time and a place and sometimes it's chemical and you you need help. But for me, I've really challenged myself to Mm. um, be completely medication free. I was also on medicine for my skin, which I wanted to get off. Yeah, Yeah, I'm really just trying to let my body do its thing by working on my mind and treating it well, you know? Yeah, I want to clap and snap for you at the same time because... Uh, that's something that I am like a hundred percent into. And that's something that I want to study in the future. And if Mm. you ever get the chance to like go to a naturopathic doctor that you do have to pay out of pocket, that's the only reason why people don't go. But like Mm. for now it could be insurance may do it change in the future. It's when you're 25 years down the line. Anyways, I'm sorry. Go on. It's such a great field to look into because they focus on the five pillars of health, right? Like your mind, your body, your experiences, um, just taking care of yourself as a whole, mm. not just realizing like, Are you oh, Ayurveda? what are you? Oh, Ayurveda? No, you know what? I've listened to a podcast, uh, for Ayurveda, but I've never done my own research Mm. and really gotten into it i follow a girl who is an ayurveda like doctor and um she is great and like i love that's why i love instagram yeah i also realize how like hurtful it is to me because i'm not strong enough yet so wait go into that more what do you what do you mean you're not strong enough Oh, I'm a weak ass little bitch when it comes to you being on. I am being on Instagram. I'm like, oh, and then I get so, stuck scrolling. So you're wasting time essentially. And, is that what you're saying? And that's something that I'm not like, and I know right now that I'm not comfortable enough to like go on Instagram and not just scroll for like five minutes even. Okay. Okay. But if you're scrolling, here's something I did about a year ago. I did a complete overhaul of my, who I followed. And I looked at oh, the yeah. accounts and, and you know what I did? I said, does this, the content on this account make me feel good or does it make me feel bad? And I can't tell you how many models and yeah. bikini companies <laughs> and all of this stuff that I unfollowed and I got out of my daily feed. And it's so interesting how much my my Instagram who I follow has changed over over the the years, depending on like what I'm into. Um, and I think Instagram is one of those tools that you can really tailor your own experience. Yes. And so then if you set if you spend the time and spend the four hours or whatever it's gonna take to curate what you're looking at, then your five minutes, your ten minutes, your hour of scrolling at least is gonna be meaningful and productive. Yeah. Yes. So that's my two that's, cents on that. That's actually great advice because when I look at his Instagram, I'm like, you see all of these things on your explore page that I do not see. Like mm-hmm. what the hell is this? 
And then on sports. mine, yeah, yeah it's Literally like all, all sports. sports. <laughs> it's all sports and some things about nature and like being on going on hikes and outdoors. But it's mostly all sports. And for me, it's like hair products and like girls in bikinis. The first thing I see is like a hot ass girl who I'm like, ooh, what does she look like? And then I like wind up scrolling to like mm-hmm. all of these other girls' pages, and I'm like, why the fuck? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Because like I don't, I don't care about these people. I'm, I don't want to look like her, and I, I'm okay with where I am right now. But I start to get these like I start to think too deeply about like, wow, I don't. My Instagram doesn't look like this. Like, should I do something differently with my Instagram? And I start to get insecure about things that I genuinely know that I don't care about. Mm. So the, the so there's the two trains of thought, right? There's like the train of thought with social media that. We're just wasting our time. It's self-centered what you're talking about. Do I look this good? And that's definitely an aspect. And I think that I was taking this class on intersectionality, which is about the uh, disenfranchised communities, whether it's from race or gender or social Id- sexual identity or uh, sexual preference. And this woman did this, man, I should say, did this um, this project where she put up every single photo on her Facebook feed that she's posted since getting a photo. And she did these little sheets of paper with like five by five rows of all the pictures and they were all of herself. And I mean, she did the demonstration of like hung from the ceiling down to the ground and floor. And I didn't realize that like all of these photos, I didn't realize at the end she had posted these photos. And I was like, that's where her mind is at with her social media is like, like, is so totally self-centered and she was arguing the fact that like social media is bad and and this is what it causes Mm -hmm. and that is the one aspect but the other aspect of it is like what we're doing right here is like this podcast and we're expressing our thoughts and opinions to people and you can promote positivity you don't have to focus on the negative aspect i focus all my not all my shit but like most of it on like the what's going on with espn what's going on at sports media on top of I follow accounts that have nothing to do but it's just like daily quotes or positive vibes or whatever. And people put out really positive shit too. And I think that was like a big part for me is like changing my mindset from being so pessimistic that I was just constantly putting positive shit in front of my eyes. And that was from coming from like social media. I followed these, you know, I stumbled upon this guy called Gary V. Have you ever heard of this dude? He's an entrepreneur. He so. he promotes like he this is Russian immigrant who came across from you know to America with his family young he was very poor they were in the liquor business he started selling baseball cards as a kid started to become this entrepreneur used the internet social media to now he's like hundreds of millions of dollars and he goes around just promoting entrepreneurship and positivity and like I came across this guy and this guy was a big part of like how I got to doing the show today because like he just preaches. The internet is such a useful tool. You can use it to become, you can use it to have a successful career. And that's what I'm trying to use the internet for positive shit. It's just like what you said, filtering out the unwanted stuff. It's not all bad. I guess it's like what you make of it. And I'm trying to use this internet and social media as a tool to like start a company, not a company, but like a career for myself. And, you know, we talked in the car that Ideally for me, if I could down the road create a podcast that can sustain itself, whether I grow it big enough where people people listen to it, I get X amount of downloads and 
people uh, advertise through me or a company hires me, if we could somehow grow that and just travel across the world, like the country in a car, interview people, meet random people in a bar or restaurant or outside at a park, interview them. And like, that's like my dream for a life. And like the internet is what's going to get me there. So you're going to be using the internet to form connection rather Mm -hmm. because here's, here's one, two ways that I see it. And I, I, I really struggle with the internet for so many reasons. Sometimes I think I was born in the wrong generation because mm-hmm. I'm not that technically savvy, to be um, honest. Um, yeah. yeah, and I feel like it holds me back and that there's people that are technically savvy who might not even have anything to say but are able to like present it in yeah. a way um, that it's like it can be very frustrating. And um, so I think that the internet is doing two things. It is connecting us like you just said, and it, and I, I really noticed this. I think a great example is, um, what's happening in our country right now in terms of, um, gender identity and sexual identity and how much that is opening up in a lot of places and people are expressing in way more, the, the whole, um, non-binary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that, is somewhat kind of new into our vocabulary within like, I would say like the fa- the last oh, five yeah, years. Absolutely. And it, and it now to it's be become, socially acceptable. Yes. And to be in, in a college classroom and oh, it's, yeah. Hey, what's your name and what are your preferred pronouns? And I know, it's wild. that's yeah. like a it's thing wild. now. Yep. And, and I give credit to the internet for a kid sitting in Minnesota in their parents' basement to be able to go online and find somebody who con- looks like them, mm-hmm. who yeah. is expressing themselves in a way that they're not seeing in their classroom and who is giving them the strength to 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 be themselves and showing them a path, being a an angel on their pathway to be like, hey, this is an option for you. I think it's great for that reason. I also think that it totally disconnects us in that we're so we're we're scrolling, we're looking, we're we're constantly not in the moment worrying about getting the perfect photo. Fo- it kills me when people go to beautiful beautiful places. And yes, I sure do it for the gram. I'll get my like Instagram picture, but I'll like do that and then like yeah. put my phone away and then done. be done with it and edit it in the car on the ri- ride home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that it's just it's something that removes connection in the same way, honestly, that alcohol did for me as well. I'm really trying to connect with people right now and and be present and be here now and 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 learn and take everything in and and output to people when it when it's appropriate and needed and all these things. And I think that both of those alcohol and the internet are two things that separate us from each other and kind of put us in our own little world that is disconnected yeah um i just want to speak on this and not to put you on blast taylor but put me on blast that's cool we can put me on blast we we struggle sometimes with like being present um after working a long day Mm. uh sometimes our form of like disconnecting is like let me just go on my phone for a few minutes Mm. like i need to disconnect from like people and like for me it's like working with kids i'm like no i really need to disconnect because (laughs) i'm tired of like raising my voice i'm tired of like just being around other beings because it can be very overwhelming and he works in you know the service industry and he's always around people people and people are fuckheads and you have to deal with that stuff so like instead of disconnecting by like like getting on our phones like what's it like what would you suggest or what are positive ways of disconnecting that you've experienced yourself 
positive ways of disconnecting. Well, that's because I don't necessarily think that you're, I don't look at it as disconnecting. It's connecting to something else, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I think that, I think this is a great transition into yoga and meditation. Boom. There we go. Boom. <laughs> there we go. There we um, go. Which also ties us back to what we were talking about, about sports. Um, it's still a sport. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and it's, it's exercise, you know? And I think that for me, so many of the answers that I was looking for, back to the question of who am I if I'm not a, an athlete, mm -hmm. um, were answered on my yoga mat and so I remember when I the first my first exposure to yoga I was in college I had zero interest I was not into it I was like where's the ball like I <laughs> like I, there's no yeah. winning involved yeah. I don't get this at all and so when I was post-grad and literally when I moved to New York I could not touch my toes which I guess so if you're just like hearing my voice and know nothing about me, people are like, oh my God, because like now it's, that, that is not a problem. Um, yeah. But at my physical body after years of sports and storing all of my trauma as tension yeah. and, and I hadn't dealt with so many things yet, I was like, all right, this is like supposed to be really good for me physically. I'm like not it. flexible. I guess I'll try it. <laughs> um, so I started my yoga practice from a totally physical point of view. Um, I found an incredible studio, Moto Yoga in New York City. It's all hot vinyasa. If anyone can go, you should go. Um, but I started building my practice. And once I started, for me... I never realized I had been meditating growing up, mm -hmm. mostly when I swam. I was a competitive swimmer for 10 years. And would you swim? Um, like what were my yeah. events? Um, I like loved the IM. I was like a fly girl, but I also did like a lot of freestyle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, but when I was in the pool, I was meditating. I was, yeah. I remember like with every stroke kind of like bobbing my head and that was where I would, that was the space that I could go where I could get quiet. Being underwater is such an amazing place to be because it is truly, truly quiet, which we never get in this world. Even if we're, even if I'm in my apartment with the, the lights off and the music off, if my cell phone's near me, I'm not quiet because I can like just tune right back in. Yeah. And getting on that yoga mat with the asanas, which is like the physically moving through the practice, would get me into this headspace where I started to get to this meditative place and then from there I was able to get to this meditative place without moving and then it became about meditation and then for me my yoga practice continued even further to really connecting to whatever people call source or self or whatever which mm -hmm. really became spiritual for me and so now it's this kind of catch-all of that's what, one of the ways I would say that I can disconnect from the world but connect to myself whether so that's it's a quiet activity that I'm doing that is meditative in some way. I was also telling these guys that earlier, um, I have started to paint again. Um, yeah, I am, that's really cool. I am not a professional painter. <laughs> I actually just bought a book um, about that teaches you how to watercolor over the course of 30 days. So I'm doing like a 30 day watercoloring challenge right now. So, but Yay, you're like, you're, what you're doing is you are, yeah. you are exploring a new craft that you don't know anything about and you're trying it out. Yes. Right. And that's what I'm doing this podcast show. Like, I don't know. I didn't go to school for this. I've been doing this for less than a year, but like, I'm like taking a deep breath. I'm jumping into it and it might be shitty, and, you know, but over time you're going to get better at painting. I'm going to get better at this podcast. Yo, but like, didn't sports teach you that as a yeah, kid? Well, I forgot that for a bunch of years. I'm yeah, slowly starting because to you bring were, that Because you were good back, at you know them I mean? because you, yeah. you would already learn them because when you were a child, 
was when you sucked at all the sports and you started. And that's another thing. I think that sports is so important for kids. Yeah, it shows to, you growth. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> it teaches you that if you put, and sports, like you put in hours into yeah. sports. Yeah. I mean, like oh, yeah. in a way that if you were like, oh yeah, you're going to have to put in like, you know, 10,000 hours into yes. this. I totally believe in the 10,000 hour. Rule. I yeah. tried to As you're saying this, hour, I'm like 10,000 hours, 10,000 hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you told me I had to just like put that into some arbitrary thing, but, but you do it with sports, you put in all of this, this time. And I relearned that lesson. Um, three years ago, I decided I wanted to be able to do a handstand. I, could not do a handstand okay just to make that perfectly clear and my goal was to be able to do full scorpion so it's to stand on my hands then bend my legs backwards and put my feet eventually on my head while balancing on my hands now now? okay i'm like pretty close (laughs) um so (laughs) might have to get a video you trying it out afterwards post on instagram (laughs) it's the back flexibility that i'm still working on but the handstand is what really i so i started working on it and i kid you not I did not skip a day of handstand practice for over two years. I, whether it was kicking up one time that day or spending 45 minutes watching a YouTube video, trying to figure it out. But the handstand practice now it's awesome. I have an inversion practice. I love it. I use it on my yoga mat. I use it in life. I use it uh, on my Instagram. I, I, I use it. I love it. It's a way to be a kid. It's way to, it's a fun party trick. It's a way to connect with people. It's all of these things that I mm-hmm. freaking love. It's a physical challenge. I've always been super into that as well. Um, it has helped me to value what my body can do over the way that it looks. It has really helped me with my confidence in my physical body. Um, and I could talk about that forever too, about sports I think are also a great way to work, to think more about functionality versus just the way you look. appearance, yeah. um, which yeah. ties right into well, that, Instagram, all these things. Yeah. But just to, just to finish this whole thing up about handstands, what handstands taught me is that no matter what it is, if it's going to be watercoloring or making a podcast or whatever, if you work on something every day and you can't work on everything, but if you choose something and you work on it, you will get better at it. And eventually you could be an expert at it. Yeah. And it really teaches you that, that like grit to stick yeah. with something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even like through this podcast, like I'm like, I'm like, Oh shit, I should have done this different. I should have introduced this or said, you know, I'm learning just through this experience. Yeah. Like I, sh- you know, so you're right. But I you totally need the agree. experience. Yeah. Right. Like, like this might not be the best podcast it. in the world, but like, you know, I'm going to keep wait, doing wait these podcasts. I thought this was going to be the best. Uh, the only reason I'm on this is I thought it was going to be the <laughs> well, best yeah, podcast. Yeah, well, it will be soon <laughs> as we do, you know, I'm going to grow this, but you know. Yeah, that's um, also the thing that we've been talking about, putting uh, what you want into, into, the, into existence. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Just like yeah. realizing like if you say it's not going to be the best, then it's not going to be the best because you're like you're already putting that into your work. Like say that it's the best. Yo, it's manifestation be best. is real. Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. just getting into, I'm just learning like patience and like like trial and error and things are not always you know just take one step at a time the whole mm-hmm. like don't like if you're climbing mount everest don't look at the top just like one step at a time mm-hmm. and like it, not everything's to be perfect and um that mindset you know i think that um yoga and meditation really helps with that too so the point of yoga right is to be able to take it off of your mat into the world that's mm-hmm. kind of like why why we do the practice and i think that it helps you to pause and when you're reacting in the moment to be able to not just be reactive and to actually like sit with yourself and sit with the way you're feeling. And, and that helps in everything, whether you're about looking at the top of Mount Everest being like, all right, no, I'm right here right now. And all I got to do is take this next step. 
And I think that getting into that type of mindset, however you do and getting quiet and sitting with yourself and clearing that channel out Mm -hmm. is just so important rather than just staying busy and going from from work to the bar to the whatever and just like we're constantly just like without settling yeah Yeah, we talk about that a lot i love to learn from people Mm -hmm. and like just to see where you are at 28 is like i'm 23 and i'm trying to like I try to rush so many things with like, oh my God, I need to be there now. I need to like, I'm realizing it takes so much time and energy and practice. And I think like, that's the one thing that I'm not doing. Like you have to realize it's not going to come if you don't put in the hours. Mm -hmm. And that's why like, I love to talk about the 10,000 hours because, you know, as a teacher, I'm like, if you don't continue to practice your strategies then you're not going to be great. And Mm -hmm. like, you want to master every test, not just this test. And like realizing as it, that's, I love my profession for that reason, because I learn so much from like conversations with children because their minds are so advanced, even though they're so young because they don't have they haven't the, unlearned a bunch of shit yeah, that, yeah. that we unlearned and we have to relearn again yes yeah. and they don't have the uh the pressure from like society as much as a child they're just yeah. like oh mom a kid and like they can just do as they please in certain aspects and say as they feel and they feel more comfortable with being vulnerable mm-hmm. like and that's why i'm like oh my gosh i look at some of my kids and i'm like wow it's so nice to see that they're so open to life and as adults we kind of grow out of that we lose the child in us oh yes i'm still the big child <laughs> no no you're not you're not a big child and i i want to be like certain aspects of myself i want to be that big child again where i'm like it's okay to be like goofy it's okay to be yeah, it's like okay open. you got your little child baby hairs right here yeah know? these are my baby yeah. hairs you, you don't know about those yet. i don't i, I guess this is like those. a so we're in this interracial relationship i like to obviously call it, it, and there's I don't so like many like cultural things that i don't know about her like this is like a apparently what do like you a, like to call it i ca- like to call it inter-ethnic relationships okay. because i feel like there's only one race we've talked about like different races because that's what we were given from like as we grow up people say like well you're this race and you're that race and i don't agree to that anymore i don't Mm -hmm. think that we're all different races i think we're one race and we're separated by our colors and things of that sort because doctors have said that years ago when they were classifying human beings and we don't need to do that now like we have learned so much and we can unlearn that so i don't like to say interracial i like to say that we're inter-ethnic but yeah fuck with that i like that (laughs) yeah so we're in an inter-ethnic relationship and it gets very complicated sometimes because um, as you have grown so much from where you used to be, um, I want to grow in similar ways. Like I just started to do yoga and things of that sort. And Taylor is not as into those that, that type of growth. His growth well, is... Well, I'm not there yet. I'm still... You're like I'm in the process of like I'm trying I'm trying a woman being ahead of a man and these things shocker (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying I mean I'm coming I'm coming along yeah I know that's why I said when we met I was like I'm so much farther along when I met like in terms of like like relaxation and patience and like diet and alcohol consumption and even exercise like I was up at 6 a.m. I got a workout in the night what'd you do 
Oh, yeah, you're looking at like you're looking you at like know. your like what you think is your beauty rest. I can she tell. Was. Oh well, that's very true. I it was very tired, so I slept in and didn't wake up at six a.m. But that's something that we talk about consistently. Also, just it's it keeps going back to like putting in the hours mm. because I know that I should exercise more. But when I come home, I let like my brain think that oh it's okay to not exercise you're so tired just relax like right and that's read yeah. your book that's fine too mm-hmm. and those are forms of exercises constantly reading exercise it's I mental, mean, exercise. It's mental it's exercise mental okay. exercise but i like a few weeks ago my friend selena who is a salsa dancer she came over and um she is also on this vegan path where like she used to have cystic acne not cystic acne but pretty bad acne mm. and um she like taught us she taught me how to make lentil soup with like seven dollars uh of ingredients and just like it's what you put in your body and like Mm. my skin cleared up look at how good it is now and look at where it used to be so and she is a salsa dancer and you can see that in her movements you can see how free she is and like how open she is to other human beings through her dance, especially. And she posts a lot of stuff on her dancing, but I've always wanted to get into dancing, but Taylor thinks that he can dance. He cannot dance. And I definitely can't dance. Did you, hold on. Were, did I, was I not breaking it down on the way to this apartment from the car? Was can't I not? Dance. No right. rhythm whatsoever. I think you're just, a, yeah, no. I'm well, <laughs> I have never seen him attempt to dance, but it's actually not that bad. I have to say that I don't believe that anyone can dance. Ooh, I think, yeah, it's probably that. Like, it's my brain telling me that I can't dance. Well, it's also, it's it's society telling you that you can't maybe dance in the way that they told you you should dance. Mm -hmm. But I love kids dance before they can walk. They sing before they can talk. They draw before they can write. Like, we are hardwired to express ourselves artistically. Mm -hmm. And dance is a physical way of doing that. And um, I could talk about dance forever because I loved dancing growing up. I took dance class as a kid. And I remember when I got to high school, I was literally embarrassed by how excited I would get for dances like I would have to contain myself to save face because like inside I was freaking out man and like (laughs) I wasn't even drinking or anything like I was just like going there to like cut a fucking rug and um (laughs) and then as I got old and and you know I would dance hard and uh it was it was kind of like a, a a lovingly teasing thing that would happen with my friends like oh you know Sally loves to dance because I did and then um as I would got into college I realized that other people got as jazzed to dance when you added alcohol into the mix oh yeah so mm-hmm. I for partying for me um. My favorite things about partying were pregames where I was like just hanging out with my close friends and like yourself and like and like be able to talk and like that part and then dances and like I I was just love that and but I really stopped dancing sober ever really because what like when were those times that you could be get like wild so I was using alcohol to to get to the dance and then when I went back to acting school I had movement into my curriculum four times a week as well as dance where we learned some salsa some tango all these other things and um I started to realize how good it feels because dance is kind of like the mixture of exercise and art which are two things that I love and it's kind of the intersection between those two spaces and all of a sudden I re-remembered 
how much I loved it, how what a great release it was, how sometimes when words didn't work, dance could be the answer for me. I could dance until I cried. I could dance until I laughed. I could, whatever it may be. And um, because of this love and this community that I found within school, I found that there is a huge community in New York of sober dance spaces. And so now I dance all the time. And it was through, it was really when I found these communities um, that I was able to just cold turkey stop drinking because mm. I was able to cut out the middleman of the alcohol and just like go do my thing um which by the way to, to wrap it all up I also said when I was saying earlier sports are about exercise community community is a I found community through dance um sports are about being able to be excited about something and to be yeah. something that yeah. we're able to derive happiness out of basically like a construct you know and, yeah. and yeah. whether you're partaking or, or watching, watching or yeah. whatever it is yeah. and I found that through dance as well um dance is enter I mean sports are also entertainment um they're about performance and spectatorship and and wellness and all of these things that for me, dance started to satisfy so many things that competitive sports used to. Um, and so I found these great spaces. And if you are in New York, um, there's a party called the Get Down Party. It's every other Thursday. I help to host and to promote promote it. It's amazing. Um, it's at the House of Yes a lot of times, which is I've heard amazing. Of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. the House of Yes is awesome. Um, it's a really, really cool space. But there's that. There is ecstatic dance, which is actually international and in other cities. So if you are looking to a, for a place to dance and you Google ecstatic dance in your city, there might be one. Five Rhythms, their um, like little slogan is sweat your prayers. And it's really about it's almost like dance therapy. It's like really like dancing through wherever you are that day. Um, and so now I move alone at, in my house. I film myself sometimes and put out these little dance videos, just kind of showing that you don't have to be, uh, I, I am not like, uh, I've never thought myself to be a great dancer. And just because I go for it, mm -hmm. I have people coming up to me at these things all the time. being like, I love to watch you dance. Um, and like, you could take me out of context and put me in front of a group of other people who'd be like, she looks like an idiot, but you You're know, comfortable it's doing that though. It's yes. I, I like that. that you, yes. say, you take videos of yourself doing that and you post it. Cause like, I think that like people should feel comfortable to like post themselves doing uncomfortable, awkward shit. Yes. Put it like we took a little video in the car before we came in here and like love was a little awkward. I'm I was a little awkward. awkward and I was like, you know what? I needed to do this to become a little more mm -hmm. vulnerable walking into this conversation. Yes. It like helps you loosen up a little bit. Yeah. And that's know? a big thing too with sobriety is having to take away the social lubrication yes. and the shield of alcohol to, I, I, I was just reading, um, I think Ruby Warrington wrote an amazing book called Sober Curious that recently came out and is so many beautiful words that were expressing so many things that I have been feeling and thinking for so long. Um, but all right, we're good. That was love signal before we came in here. Like, if you if I want you to connect with me, I'm gonna rub my ear. And oh I was like, just gosh. say it. Have just you say guys seen Garden State? That's like that's like their signal. Oh, she I like haven't. tugs her ear. Anyway, yeah. um, sorry, I just gave it up. My bad. <laughs> it's okay. But Ruby Warrington in her book, Sober Curious, talks about how alcohol doesn't make us braver. Um, what it actually does is it is suppressing the feeling of being afraid. 
Um, yes, so, I agree. <laughs> so it's not that we're, that it's making you smarter or more interesting or more attractive. Actually, it's probably slowing down your brain it's and process attraction. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the kind of the opposite of those things. And sometimes we feel our most beautiful coming out of the bathroom after 12 cocktails and like, yeah. it's like, girl, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but what it's doing is it's just turning off those parts of us that are saying like, no, like be afraid, be, don't be confident. And so the big challenge for me has been to be able to silence those parts of myself without a chemical doing that for me and to be able to stand as just me with my kombucha at a party mm. with, but kombucha is a lifesaver, by the mm-hmm. way. It's like mm-hmm. just so effervescent yes, and Yes, that's fun. what I drink. I think I bought a big bottle of that yeah. at home. Um, but to be able to just be you and that you, we hear over and over again, you are enough and let it sink in because you are. And I'm so proud of you, Taylor, for coming over today and not knowing if you're prepared and feeling nervous and all these things, but like, but you are enough. Yeah. yeah. And Thank this you. was Thank enough. You. And you know, whoever, whoever listens to this, like this is fucking awesome that we did this. Yeah, and you listening, you're enough too. And yeah. you're enough. And yeah. you're enough. <laughs> yeah. Everyone. No, I agree. You were just talking about like the, how the alcohol, would you say it's, it suppresses the feeling of fear, fear, right? Like I've been going into some job interviews and I'm just like so nervous and anxious and uncomfortable and like it's because I used to go through all these tough situations, either playing sports, right, when you got that adrenaline and that heart rate, or you're drinking out of the bar when you're trying to talk to girls or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like now that I'm not playing competitive sports and I don't have that ability to push myself and I'm slowing down my alcohol, like I need to find a way to like become like be able to be myself in these jobs, not just job interviews, but everyday life interactions with people. I work at a bar. I have to talk to people for a job. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've, I've been through a couple job interviews the last few weeks and I'm just like not comfortable. And I'm just like, fuck, I need to find a way. So like talking about this, connecting with you, mm-hmm. connecting with other people who are listening, that helps. And it's like, <sighs> and I think a big part of before you can just go out there and be like, I'm just going to be myself now. Yeah. You need to figure out who the you fuck are. that is. Yeah. And um, there's another great book that came out this year by Radha Agrawal, who is one of the um, co-founders of Daybreaker, another awesome early morning dance party that is international. So if you ever want to dance at 6.30 a.m. and then go to work. Not love. She's the worst person in the morning. You <laughs> but are maybe, the worst. Maybe you would get up to dance, though. Well, I think you have to realize, like, your strengths and your weaknesses, right? <laughs> like, yes, girl. strength. <laughs> nighttime weakness morning so but i that's also something that we've worked on a a series of apps that i'm like okay remind me to do this in the morning Mm. and like talking to my therapist and realizing like i need a routine in the morning yes and it's still about the consistency because i'm struggling with being consistent but i realize like if i wake up 10 minutes earlier than I do right now. I have time to make my tea, uh, do yoga in the morning for a few minutes. And like my, I feel so much better. better. You set the table for the day. And like my children don't annoy me as much when I do my yoga in the morning and drink my tea. Like it's just the sense of like, calm waking up instead of being anxious and like, Oh my God, I need to wake up, brush my teeth, get up, get ready for work. Like that 
sets my day up very poorly and that's also like being aware of like i have to go to bed a little earlier yeah the self-discipline yeah it's yeah yeah, self-discipline is i think the better word for or phrase for what i currently need to figure out well if you want to do that on steroids you should uh drop by a daybreaker sometime because that will get you up and running Um, and what was the book you just so so rada's book is called belong and it's about um how to create meaningful community in your life but i love the way that the book is organized the first half is called in or inward and the second is out. And so the first half, just like we were just saying, is before you can go out there and just be yourself and whatever, yeah, right? mm-hmm. you need to do the work and to sit there and realize this is why the first year of acting school, I think everyone should do it if they can. But to sit with yourself and do all the things that like you guys have been doing right now and the work that I have been doing and the work that I think this whole movement of wellness that is is really everywhere right now is is promoting is first you need to go in and then you can go outwards from there which is you're already on that path I'm trying to be on that path that's where that that little poem was like one little like yeah like you took a, you, you took that. a chance and you're like i'm gonna do this and i don't know and how now it's I'm gonna here come out talking to you i know and it's like i know it's <laughs> wild how the the choices we make lead like me not you know struggling in school and spending all that time led me to working at jg mellon which led me to meet you which led me to get the dogs which led me to start the podcast which it's mm. like little you know yeah the, the choices we, we make. Because you're tuning um, in. I mean, like I believe so much in universal energy and being connected to source and all these things and you are on the path and when you tune in and pay attention, things start to happen. Yeah. All right. So we will wrap this up, but um, you are about to go to a interview for or an audition. An audition. All right. Yeah. So you want to tell us about that luck. real quick at all? Oh, or? it's for, it's just for a small independent film, but I was laughing because um, it's for a mermaid and this is the <laughs> second mermaid audition I've been to in a month. So I guess if you dye your hair uh, orange, they're just like, oh yeah, yeah, she yeah. would make an excellent mermaid. Yeah. I don't know where I'm getting this feeling from. It's like, but yeah, so I have to uh, speak to that. But thank you so You're much. You're welcome. For You're welcome. It was good so to, yeah. nice to meet you. It was you. nice meeting you too. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it.